Hello. 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 It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. And hello, Max Fun listeners. It is week two of the Max Fun Drive, the last week, maybe even, I think, the last day. This comes out Friday. Um, this is our second episode this week. Uh, in case you missed it, we put out what I'm referring to as a Schmanner's Classic. Ooh. Uh, high tea and afternoon tea earlier this week, because we wanted one. It's one of our favorite episodes. We mm-hmm. wanted to reshare it. And we wanted to give you know people who had never listened to Schmanner's before a good place to start. And... If you're a regular listener to Schmanners, we wanted to give you an easy, uh, you know, quick episode to share with a friend to say, like, hey, I love this show. Here we talk about tea time. You're going to love it. Yeah. Uh, but we're not talking about tea time now. We're going to talk about the Hello Girls. But Although first, I would like to talk about tea time later because I am hungry. I would also like tea time, um, even though it is about 20 minutes past lunch uh, that we both ate. Okay, it's not important. What is important <laughs> is it's the Max Fun Drive. And what that means is it's your chance to support the art and artists you love. We'll say like Schmanners and your maybe wife host and husband host, Travis McRoy and Teresa McRoy. And your happy research assistant, Alex. That is true. We would not be able to make this show without Alex. And we would not be able to pay Alex for her work without you, the listener who supports us, the Max Fund member. You can become a member. You can upgrade your membership. You can boost a membership. And you can gift a membership to somebody who needs it, including anonymous people who are signed up on a list waiting for kind patrons by going to Max maximumfund.org forward slash join. There's a bunch of different reward levels, and we'll tell you about those later. But right now, if you're thinking about it, hurry before it's too late. Maximumfund.org forward slash join. Okay, now, Teresa, in classic biography fashion, Uh I figured that this episode would be best served if I went into it knowing, I would say, less than zero. Classic. (laughs) I think some of my best biographies (laughs) have been when I knew nothing Absolutely nothing. All I know is this is about the Hello Girls, uh-huh. which I did not know until about 10 minutes ago. Right. Okay, so. <laughs> well, you know who did know? Megan C. Thank you so much for suggesting this. I know you suggested it back in November, um, but uh, we are keeping tabs and we are taking names. <laughs> we're always listening. We're making a list. We're checking it twice. So thank you, Megan. Okay. To put it succinctly. Oh, no. We have a half hour to fill. Don't put it too succinctly. <laughs> Not too succinctly. Okay. But you need to know the kind of generalness that's happening. So the Hello Girls is a moniker for the Women's Army Signal Corps in World War One. Oh. Okay. Not. Hey, can I tell you something? Already, right off the bat, if you give me 10 guesses to guess what the Hello Girls were, wouldn't have guessed that. Really? Yeah. What was your guess? My number one guess? Some kind of uh, radical, like, uh, we're going to, like, destroy some stuff group. Oh, uh, so, like, they bust open the door and they go, hello. Hello. And then they, like, <laughs> smash things. Then they smash things. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or get people. Yeah, to get them. No. Okay. 
Um, they were bilingual French and English translators okay. who served on the front lines of World War One as phone operators. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you need to know, first of all. This is like switchboard times, right? Yeah. It is. They were instrumental in winning World War One because up until, I mean, there were telephones, right? We've talked about the telephone. Well, can I jump in? Because it just occurred to me. Younger listeners uh, may already be confused by talking about the telephone to begin with. Uh, okay. Okay. But it goes even further back. Not This is even before my time, if you can believe it. And <laughs> I'm old as dirt. Okay. So it used to be that you would make a call and there would be a human being in the middle of the call. So basically you would call and they'd be like, who are you trying to get? And you'd be like, uh give me parsnip 469 or something. And then they were like, oh, you got it. And then they would take the cable that mm-hmm. was like connected to you and they'd plug it into parsnip 469's cable. And then parsnip 469 was like the phone number that would then ring at their house. Yep. There was a human operator who had to do this. That was a job. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, sometimes if you were calling long distance, there were several operators between yourself and whoever you were trying to reach. So like, say, here in Cincinnati, if we were trying to call Huntington, we might have to go through Ashland or Ironton, Ohio, Ashland, Kentucky. We might have to jump several places to get to Huntington. And you know there was no way that that signal was good, right? I mean, it was it as long as the connections were serviced properly. Okay, they were all right. I mean, the it wasn't it wasn't amazing, um, especially because especially on the battlefield, you had to hold the lines, right? So there wasn't any kind of like. I mean, it didn't go through the air like right. telephone service does now with your cell phone. It goes through the actual physical lines. They had to run lines where they were going. Yes. Okay. Yes, they had to run lines. Um, And not like actors. Like physical. Okay. All right. If you'd like to know in depth uh, a little more about this, you can read The Hello Girls, America's First Female Soldiers by Dr. Elizabeth Copps. But don't do that now. Listen to the episode first. And then go learn about them. Please, please listen to us first. Okay, go on. Um, we talk a lot about World War II yeah. in in Schmanners. And really, I feel like my education really started at war, as far as like modern World War started at World War II. There wasn't a lot about World War One. I, I think, in my history class. It kind of just goes, it goes the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. World War II, Vietnam War. Yeah, and there's a bunch of other ones in there's there. There's a lot of other ones in there, one of them being World War One. I. I also don't know about World War One that much. I know vague. I think Archduke Ferdinand got shot, and everybody got really mad, and it set off a bunch of, like, treaties. Right. And that, But I, I think that well, this is probably not germane to the episode, but and a history major is definitely going to tweet at us. But I imagine it's because not only was World War Two very, like, military based but also very social and very much mm-hmm. much more about like the not just the politics of what was going on but like the people right, right? okay uh so quick background world war 1 let's go back just a touch more 19 19- to world war 0 no 1914 america had 
really no standing military. They hadn't really fought in any kind of war of any magnitude together, right, since the wow. Civil War. Um, so they were— I mean, were, there was the, the Spanish-American War, but like standing military. Standing said, yeah. military, right. There were, there were definitely militias. There were definitely groups of like the army, right? Right. But it wasn't like— like we think of it today. Oh, so this is more like sometimes when you see a movie, like people get the call. Right. Right. Oh, like in Mulan, where yeah. they go around and they're like, hey, it's time to go fight if you're ready to go. And her dad, right. who was taught before, is like, okay. And they're not like training every day, right? They're not right. living in military bases. They're not living in uniform or what. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I'm on, okay. on the same page. But Americans were getting nervous as things started to heat up in Germany. Um, but the general consensus at the time is that. Europe would work it out themselves. Oh, boy. Right? And Woodrow Wilson won re-election running on that platform of keeping the U.S. out of the Great War. I mean, okay. they didn't call it World War One at the time. They called it the Great War because they didn't know that there would be a second one. It would be oddly presumptuous. It would if be. If they had been like, well, we're going to call this one World War One, just in case. And here's what happened to get uh, America into the war. The Zimmerman telegram. Okay. Okay, I expected your eyes to light up because this was a, uh, I think it was like a true or false question on a quiz in high school or whatever, right? Okay, hey, did you really expect my eyes to light up or did you think, there's a chance? There's a chance. Okay, great. Uh, January 17th, 1916, an encrypted message was intercepted by British intelligence. The note was on its way to the German ambassador in Mexico and had been written in code. So, big deal, very secret, hush, hush. Okay. And the message decoded was Germany writing to to Mexico to encourage them to join in the war. Okay. And it stated if Mexico felt like it was going to, like it could go to war with the United States, not only would Germany supply them with guns and ammo, but the German government promised to reward them by helping Mexico take back Texas, New Mm -hmm. Mexico, and Arizona. I see. Okay. All right. And now I can see where the U.S. government would then go, um, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was now in the United States' best interest if they wanted to continue as, you know, the the government of those states, um, best interest to go for it, right? So okay. Woodrow Wilson went before Congress and convinced everyone that they had to defend themselves. And so the next day, the headline says, Wilson says war. Okay. I think I, I think I've pictured that headline. I think I can see that in my mind's eye. Hey, it's me, your husband host, Travis McElroy, interrupting myself and my wife, Teresa, to tell you about the Max Fund Drive. Basically, here's how it works. I'm going to tell it to you real quick because chances are you've already heard us talking about it. Max Fund is a listener-supported network, and that means that our show and the whole network wouldn't exist without support from listeners like you. So once a year, we take two weeks, and we encourage you to consider becoming a member and support the art and artists you love. Go to MaxFundFund.org forward slash join. When you go there, you will see some different options, including the option to upgrade your membership. You can boost your membership, which means adding a couple dollars to what you already give won't move you up to the next reward tier but it will help out the shows and the creators that you love you can gift a membership either to a friend or you can just gift one in general max fund has a list of people who have submitted uh to hopefully get one of those because they can't afford one this year so you can help those folks out too or you can become a new member so 
If you become a new member, you pick a level that works for you. It starts as low as $5. And for $5 a month, you get access to over 200 hours of bonus content. These are episodes you won't hear anywhere else from shows all across the network and from every Max Fun event we've ever done. So trust me, it's more than worth $5 a month. And as long as you are a member, you will continue to have access to that bonus content for every Max Fun event to come as well. Now, for $10 a month, you're going to get your choice of a show specific enamel pin. This year, Schmanner's pin is ducks in a row. Get it? Like the idiom, get your ducks in a row. And you get all of that bonus content. And there's a bunch more rewards for you to check out. $20 level, $35 level, even as high as $50 and $100 and $200. But really, we just want you to consider giving as much as you can. We don't want anyone to break the bank. Uh, we just want you to consider supporting these shows because, you know, Max Fun is a very unique kind of network where the shows that we create – we do so because we love them and because we want you to love them and we want you to be happy. And, you know, we don't create them with like focus groups to try to reach certain demographics or anything like that. We just make them because we think that they're good and that you will smile when you listen to them. And I, I think that that's a pretty interesting model. And if that's the kind of thing that you like, maybe consider supporting it so, you know, we can continue to make stuff like it. Uh, just go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Okay, so he says war. Mm-hmm. And then he does war. Yes. Um, and World War One is actually a very important milestone as far as, like, military innovations. Things like okay. stainless steel, mustard gas, submarines. This was the first time airplanes were used. And... In combat. In combat, yeah. right. And at the minute, they were like 200,000 people in the military. Okay. Not not a lot, right? I have, can I tell you? That's not a lot. I, I'm glad that you said that because without any sense of scale, I was like, oh, yeah, like that's just a number that you said and I accepted a number that you said. And I didn't know if that was a lot or a no. little or not a lot. Got it. Not okay. a lot. Um, so between... Uh, 1917 and 1918, they increased the population of the U.S. military to nearly 4 million people. See, now that, because I hear million in there, uh -huh, and right? million sounds like a lot for sure. And everyone was involved in the war effort in factories or supporting through donations and bonds and volunteering and everything like that. This was with the, the like material drives where it's like donate your old mm -hmm. tires and your silk stockings and stuff, right? Is that this time or? Or is that World War II? Um, or both? Both, really. Yeah, okay. Both. There was a high up uh, general guy named John Blackjack Pershing. Now, can I tell you, I know about him. Okay. Because he is a character in like a fictional version of him in a book series by Larry Korea. Oh. About like magic being used in World War One and mm. stuff. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um I, and which I, I think it's called Hard Magic. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Wilson was like so in this guy's corner that he gave him two orders. Go and come back. There Everything you go. else is up to you, General Pershing. Oh wow. You know what? That sounds cool, but also a lot of pressure. Yeah, uh, huh? yeah, totally. <laughs> um so the thing that he set about uh, solving at the moment was uh, the battlefield communication. So at this point, telephones had been around for a while, like we talked about. But in the 1910s, 
this was still with the telephone operators. Right, right, right. right. Cables, betwixt phones, basically tin cans on string. And it became very clear that the military boys were really bad at it. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Why were they so bad at it? Well, so it wasn't a skill that men really had at the time because, you know, by the 1880s, almost all telephone operators were women in, you know, civilians, oh, right? that's true. Yeah, okay. So it wasn't a skill that they had developed through, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And even at this point, I imagine uh, a lot of, and this is just historical, but that a lot of, like, uh, assistants mm-hmm. uh, were, were women. Right. And so like a lot of like placing phone calls and just doing that kind of thing was probably also done by women. And so Pershing was like, I need to get those girls here. We need to take care of this because it's about life and death. Right. Because if it takes an an army man a minute to connect the telephone lines, there could be enemy fire. Things could blow up like that is not that that's way too long. Right. And, like orders for retreat. Right. How many lives could you lose in a minute? Orders to advance. How many lives could you lose in a minute? That's a long time when you think about it. And once uh, women got there, the average time went from 60 seconds to 10 seconds. Oh, boy. That's almost a minute less. So close. if you round up. Right. Yeah. Okay, And it it shocked the army at first because women were not, I mean, this was the very first instance of American women on the front lines, like in an official capacity. I'm sure that, you know, you read about the Revolutionary War and the Civil War women doing things to aid in the effort and, you know, uh, going undercover, going undercover and stuff. stuff, but, But this these ladies, they were out in the open and they were ready to help. So by the end of the war. 223 women would work as telephone operators for the Army. And it's said by Dr. Cobbs, half of the men in the U.S. Army volunteered, but all of the women volunteered. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is awesome. It is See, I'm awesome. into it. This is why I love going into these things blind, because this is very cool. I'm very <laughs> excited about it. So these women were going to become army officers, right? So they had to be uh, specifically recruited and trained, just like everyone else in the United States Army. They underwent extensive physical training and medical exams, and they swore the oath, and they wore the uniform, and uh-huh. they were in it. I love this. Um, and so let's let's talk about one specific lady because we have the most information on her. She left a diary, Grace Banker. Okay, this is good. This is just good advice for everybody. Always leave a diary in case you end up being historically important. You want something for people on a podcast 30 years from now to be able to reference. Go on. Now I'm worried that that makes it seem like I think that World War I was 30 years ago. <laughs> it does a little bit. No, but history just moves a lot faster now is what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. She was an excellent human being by all accounts, graduated uh Bernard College at Columbia University in the 1910s, double majored in history and French. She played on the baseball team. She formed a school theater troupe. She made loads of friends. She was great. And she went straight to working as a telephone operator for AT&T, which is a great job for a lady at this time. Yeah, okay. Um, And then once she read that they were looking for volunteers, she sent a letter stating that not only was she very interested, 
but she would gladly serve her country for the rest of the war. So like she was like, I'm I'm in it for the long haul. And not only was she accepted, she was made leader of the expedition. Okay, just hearing you say all of this is making my eyes feel full, you know, not quite crying, but like the pressure is there. Like mm. my brain is like, I would like to cry now. And I'm like, no, we're recording a podcast brain. Stay professional. We can cry about how cool this lady was later. Go on. Um. She had 35 girls in her charge, youngest of which was only 19. And on the ship over to France, uh, they were the only women, this, this group of ladies. It was a rough passage. She wrote of terrible barley coffee and how the Irish Sea was green and tumultuous. And um, they went to Paris and immediately the, the place where they were put up was bombed out. Oh, man. Um and uh, it was like... I like the, by the way, I like that the scale there is like the coffee was gross and our house got bombed. <laughs> Whoa, you can't catch a break. Bad coffee and bombed our house. And the airstrike had reminded them that why they were here, right? They were ready to connect calls. And according to Dr. Cobbs, this was a defining moment for the male higher ups, okay? All of the officers were astounded that in the face of death, none of these women flinched. Yeah. Um, the incident was confirmation that they were going to be okay under the pressure of the war front. Uh, so the Signal Corps was even named the Hello Girls as a tribute to their phone work. Oh, because you pick up the phone and you right. say, Hello Girls. That's right. That's right. Okay, so... There, there we was. We should do that more, by the way. What? Just as like a convention for naming jobs, like when you go to check out at the at the supermarket, you get the paper or plastic people. You know, there should just be more like that. Like, what's the thing the person says the most, and then that's their job. Like, if you go to return something at customer service, you talk to the like, do you have a receipt person? <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be easier to remember that way. I would like that. When you talk to the plumber, they're a, who did this person? <laughs> who put this thing in the garbage disposal? <laughs> Is this potato peels? Person, you know, just the thing that they say the most. Yeah. You're in charge of that now. Okay. Just renaming everybody? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. They were instrumental in many battles, um, and they also had been, like, they had been targeted at one point because, obviously, it was working so well that they were really valuable. So there was one point where the day before they had moved their operating center and where they had been previously was set on fire. Listen, that's terrible. Of course it's terrible. It's also kind of flattering though, right? I mean, I guess. Kind of flattering. I'm not saying I would want that to happen to me. I wouldn't people would to think like, oh, Travis is so good at podcasts and we need to burn down his house. No, that wouldn't make me feel good. But in retrospect, it does show that they were not only recognized as valuable by their own people, but so mm -hmm. valuable that even the enemy was like, oh, I think if, if we got rid of them, it would really seriously hurt their war efforts. Right. So after World War I, Grace Banker was one of the few people in the armed services, male or female, to win a medal for distinguished military service. Um, and her granddaughter uh, features in the Amazon Prime documentary, The Hello Girls. And she says, and we're so proud of the work she did, but it wasn't just her. It was all the girls. They worked together. And she really made a point of saying it was all the girls that she was with. This would have been a really great, like, addition to, like, 
women's empowerment and the role of women in all walks of life, except... Except, I knew there was an except coming. The armistice was reached on November 11th, 1918, and the Hello Girls eventually returned home. Many were welcomed home with open arms after the war. They were celebrated. They had saved lives through, you know, they had connected their lines through gunfire and bombings and air raids and and all of that stuff. But after World War I, the U.S. Army took the stance that, hello, girls, weren't soldiers at all. They were (sighs) gig workers on a contract. Get out. That's messed up. And it meant that these brave women were denied access to military benefits (gasps) without explanation. You were paid very well, miss. You have no need for benefits. Oh, my God. I wish I could curse on Schmanners. I know, right? I mean... Now I'm going to cry for a different reason. I'm very happy that you're so incensed, but this really just feels like a drop in the bucket. Like, Listen, of course. Of course. But also... Mm, can't curse. Also, <laughs> I'm, I'm mad. I'm still mad. You are enraged. So, benefits... Just also... It's horrible. It's horrible. Okay. Hey, folks, one more quick interruption, MaximumFun.org forward slash join. We're running out of time, so if you want to be part of the Max Fun Drive and support Schmanners and support the creators that you love, MaximumFun.org forward slash join is the place to go. Pick a level that works for you. Become a member today. Join in the excitement. Get those rewards. Support us. Support the shows. And, you know, support good things in the world. Just go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Okay, back to the episode. Military benefits included, but I mean, we could fill a whole book with, and they do, (laughs) of military benefits, but it's medical care, commendations, honorable discharges, financial security, family benefits, military funerals, burial rights, all that kind of stuff. Um, And it even covers your right to wear the uniform. So these uniforms and the oath that they took, they were not really allowed to wear anymore. Just the sheer gall of both awarding one of them an award for service and then saying they didn't actually serve mm-hmm. is... is <clears throat> Okay, so it took a little bit, but the next year, in 1919, the 19th Amendment was passed and women were given the right to vote. Asterix, not all women. Yeah. Some women were White given... White women. Yes, the the... Um, the right to vote. And uh, with this new political power, they began to petition president after president, FDR, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Nixon. They and their families pressured the White House to recognize them as soldiers. And in 1977, six decades after the end of World War One, President Jimmy Carter finally recognized the Hello Girls as official United States Army veterans. Jimmy Carter. Good on you, Jimmy Carter. Yeah. I don't I don't know anything else about you, Jimmy Carter, but mm-hmm. that good that was a good job. So the few girls who were left were eligible for full benefits now. Um the passing of the legislation was monumental, but it seemed for a while that that would be the end of the Hello Girls. They were aren't mentioned in textbooks, like we said. In fact, the documentary that I mentioned, The Hello Girls, was made in uh, 2018, and it even opens up with several distinguished military scholars admitting that they had never heard of these people. Oh, boy. But then what? But what? 
Okay, well, their granddaughters made sure that their legacy has lived on. Um, and, of course, a few really awesome and tenacious historians helped. So Dr. Elizabeth Cobbs, who we've already mentioned, tracked down Carolyn Timby, who was Grace Banker's granddaughter. Timby apparently had a trunk in her home filled to the brim with all of her grandmother's stuff. And this was the perfect opportunity to actually go through it. Including that diary? Including that diary. It held Grace's uniform, her helmet, her medal, her gas mask. Um, and her, let's see, treasures that she collected, including cigarette lighters, shell casings, bullets, and the diary. And countless letters as well. That's incredible. It is pretty awesome. So if you'd like to learn a little more. That mo- just yeah, picturing that moment of, like, the, the granddaughter being able to have that moment and, and feel how important that is. That's re- that is... It's, uh, it's incredible. Like it's that, awesome. It feels like a better ending to the story. It's what I wanted it to be. And it got there eventually after a lot of BS. Mm-hmm. But that is that is better. That is better. Um, so if you'd like to learn more, and I do, and I'm going to be adding this to our queue, Amazon Prime members can watch for free uh, The Hello Girls. There are lots of stories about now the Army Signal Corps, and there are, there are too many to go through here. But we do want to mention that there was a, a romance that happened uh, between a, uh, let's see, a bodyguard and driver uh, who fell in love with a hello girl. Um, and <laughs> the Army was worried about losing the hello girl so much that they started transferring the two to different uh, bases so that they wouldn't be able to like elope and Uh. leave. But the hello girls knew about this and they would plug switchboards in all across France until they found him, you know, feigning apologies if a random general picked up or whatever. Um, And they could talk all evening that way. Oh, yeah. That's so sweet. See, that's nice, too. Eventually, they convinced the government to let them get married. Um, and here is the entry in that diary. 11.25 a.m., married in French by the mayor of the 9th District, married to the dearest and sweetest girl in the world, and sure am happy because I love her with all my heart. Oh, that's so, so good. Ugh, I love it. Hey. Yeah. Thank you very much for telling us about the Hello Girls. And thank you to Alex for researching it for us. And thank you to our listener, Megan, Megan, for suggesting it. And thank you to you, dear listeners, for spreading it around and telling all your friends to listen to Schmanners and go to MaximumFun.org forward slash join. Yeah. And if you haven't yet and you're thinking about doing it, don't wait. Do it now. Don't miss your chance to get those rewards and be part of the Max Fun Drive. Uh, let's see. Uh, thank you, Alex, again. I know I already said it, but we wouldn't be able to make the show if it weren't for Alex. Thank you so much. 
Thank you to Maximum Fun, our podcast home. Thank you to everybody who listens and tells a friend. Go check out all the other amazing shows at MaximumFun.org. Check out all the other Macroid projects at Macroid.family. What else, Teresa? Who else do we We always thank Brent, Brentofloss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at SchmannersCast. If you join Max Fun with a membership or you share that you love it and everyone else should should join um, and you tag us at SchmannersCast, we will be sure to send you a lovely thank you tweet. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for our cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it, too. Uh, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. We've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.